Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. Thanks for being here today. And I did want to start out today's message um, actually, our time up together by saying thank you uh, for your generosity. I looked at our giving over the last, um, like, I think it's nine weeks, and uh, we have not uh, been under budget in giving in like 10 weeks. So, thank you guys so much for giving abundantly. Uh, your generosity is, is so very helpful uh, here at the church, especially over the next few weeks. We're going to be uh, looking at our budget for 2023. And uh, so it's helpful to be looking at ministry expanding versus uh, having to cut back. So again, thank you guys so much for your generosity. Bless you. <laughs> but those of you watching online, there was a sneeze in the auditorium, and I was distracted for a moment, but I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> so I, uh, I grew up working construction for my dad. He had a small construction company. Um, I worked with him and my two older brothers, and it was a small company, so we didn't have the latest and greatest tools, but I'm pretty sure you can build anything you want as long as you have a nail pouch, a tape measure, a Stanley knife, a pencil, a hammer, and maybe a speed square. I think you can get it all done with all of those things. Um, but yeah, so since we had kind of that small construction company, we didn't have some of the latest and greatest tools, uh, but there are some really cool tools out right now. I don't know if you guys, there's like three of us that are like excited about talking about tools. Um, they have now cordless, cordless uh, air guns, you know, like so for nailing. I mean, we used to have a hose that we drug around everywhere we went. Um, <clears throat> for saws, like skill saws, they're like cordless now. I mean, you can hold it, there's no wire, you're just doing this. And then uh, one of the exciting things is they had these laser levels. You seen those? I wish I had one. I'd just have it on right now. I'd just be spinning around. But it puts the, the level, you know, this way and that way on the wall so you can't mess it up. That would have been helpful for me as a young construction person. Um, but I looked uh, on, on Amazon just this week at some of the really cool tools that are out that I, I really wish I would have had. The first one is this, an angleizer template tool. Oh, and, and that's, oh, that's just nice, isn't it? Some of you are like, what in the world is an angleizer template tool? Well, so like if you're putting siding on a gable end on a house like this, you have to cut the siding to the perfect angle, right? So that it lines in there. I used to go over and measure it and I'd cut it and slide it in and take it off, and recut it again, and slide it in. You know, you just try that a couple of times. This, you just go up there and put it one time. It's a great template. You come down, put it on your side, and cut it one time. It's just wonderful, wonderful tool. I wish I had that. Maybe I should buy it. I don't need it, but I should buy it, and just hang it up somewhere. <laughs> put it on my Christmas list. No, no? Okay. Anyway, so here's another one. It's the Lambert Studios Contour Gauge. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, see, that's pretty cool. So, like, what would I do with that? Well, see, the, what it's used for is if you have, like, some, some uh, trim, like a complex trim piece, and you're going to put a board up against it, 
you know, and you want it to be cut just perfectly so it slides right up against it with no gaps at all. I used to like slide it over there and cut something and slide it again and cut, and it just like over time, like 20 hours, I could finally get that one piece to line up. Now this one, you just, it's a template, so you slide it in there, you take it, you put it on top of your wood and, and, and just cut it the first time it works. Right, Tony? It's a wonderful tool. Do you have one of these? You have several of those. Can I, can I borrow one? Just for, I just want to, just hang on to it. <laughs> just a small one. I just need a small one. Oh, you got big ones, little ones? Wow. Anyway, so both of those last two tools, though, are, are templates, okay? They're template tools. And, uh, and they help us to cut material correctly. I, I actually really like templates, all right? So, um, when I was working at the hospital and I was over the, the computer programming team, one of the first things I did was to put together a computer programming template. And so it was basically an outline. It was a document that had where you would declare your variables, where you would access your files, you know, all of those kinds of things. But it was really, really helpful, especially for new programmers. I would give it to them, and they would just take the template, and then they kind of fill in between. And, and it made things, you know, clear and concise. It was easy to understand and to maintain later. And so I just became a huge fan of templates. So even here at the church, we have several templates. Uh, we have a service schedule template that Esther uses every week. And it's basically just a start of, like, we're going to do a welcome. We're going to do worship. What are our songs? So it's, again, kind of that format that needs to be filled in every week. I even have a sermon uh, template. I don't know if you guys noticed, my sermons are similar each week, right? Yeah, they're kind of the same. We have kind of a hook up front, and then we have our scripture that we talk about and maybe some points from it. So I have this, this document that I, it's a Word document that I start with, which has all the headers, and, uh, and it's useful for putting together a sermon. So templates are really cool. They're really helpful. But let me just be sure to say this. Well, wait, wait, wait. Let me define it first. Here's what a template is. It is a gauge, pattern, or mold used as a guide to form a piece being made. All right, so it's a gauge, it's a pattern, it's a mold. It's used to create something. But a template by itself is not the end product, right? A template is used, it's a tool that's used to create the end product. So now hold that thought because we were talking about templates. But we are starting a new series today for the next five weeks uh, on the Lord's Prayer, and it's called Teach Us to Pray. The disciples, early on in Jesus' ministry, they, they, they went to Jesus and they said, hey, can you teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray? And Jesus' response to their request was to quote what we know today as the Lord's Prayer. But let me submit to you that the Lord's Prayer was meant to be a template for us. I mean, it's, it's good to say in and of itself to, to pray it, but I believe that what God was saying when Jesus quoted it, he was saying, this is how you should pray, not necessarily what you should pray. And so we are going to take the next several weeks and we're going to dive into each line of the Lord's Prayer and unpack it a little bit 
and, and see what Jesus meant when he gave us this template to pray. So you can turn in your Bibles, if you'd like, to Luke chapter 11. That's where we're going to get started. Luke is the fourth book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So it's on page 972 in my Bible. I know that's not helpful for any of you. Um, we're also going to be studying uh, Matthew chapter 6, because the Lord's Prayer is listed in two different sections of Scripture. But uh, we'll start with Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. It says this, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now that sounds probably a little familiar, but it's not exactly what most of us have learned, you know, in Bible school or at uh, other church functions where we were learning the Lord's Prayer. So let's look at something that's a little bit more familiar. Matthew chapter 6. Verses, I'm going to actually start uh, at verse 5, and we'll work our way down into the Lord's Prayer, but verse 5 gives us a little bit of a background on prayer. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Starting with verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So for most of us, that's starting to sound a little bit more familiar. Um, but I grew up memorizing the Lord's Prayer in the King James Version. Anybody here that's a King James Version? So... We're going to actually say this all together. That just brings a little bit of my Locust Grove Mennonite church back to me for a moment. So let's just say this all together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now you'll notice that version in the King James and even in the NIV says debt and debtors instead of trespass and trespassers. How many of you grew up doing the trespass version? Right? Several of you. And, and so I studied this in the different versions and I was like, where did the trespass version come from? Well, it actually comes from William Tyndale. William Tyndale translated the New Testament into English in July of 1525. 
So it's one of the very first English versions of the New Testament. And before he could translate the Old Testament into English, uh, he was captured and executed for heresy. So in his version, he translated the Greek word to trespass instead of debts. All right. So that's where it came from. Uh, the Catholic Church and many other uh, mainline churches included uh, trespasses and tres uh, trespass. So we're going to use the NIV version in Matthew chapter 6. We'll be studying there, and we're going to take it basically one line at a time over the next five weeks. So today, in that first line, our, our title is Hallowed Be Your Name. That's our message title. We'll kind of stick to the first section of this prayer. And I'll give you some things that you can fill in on your handout. But first, let me pray. So God, we come to you, and we just thank you, Lord, that you want to communicate with us. That you are teaching us how to pray. And so, Lord, I pray that you would open up our, our hearts and minds to receive from you today. Open up the word of God to, to penetrate our hearts, Lord. And help us, Lord, to be able to communicate better with you at the end of this series. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so you can uh, fill these in on your handout if you would like. The Lord's Prayer shows us that our prayers should be directed vertical. Should be directed vertical. The first two uh, verses that we read here, verses 5 and 6 of Matthew chapter 6 says... And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. So you can get that image that these religious leaders would pray in public to be seen by others, right? That was the whole purpose. So their prayers were actually not vertical, they were horizontal because they wanted to be seen by others. Reading on, it says, Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So Jesus, right up front, is telling us that our prayers are not to be heard by the people around us. They're not for the people who might be around us. So when we pray, we shouldn't be thinking about what so-and-so is thinking about what I'm praying about, right? Our prayers should be vertical and vertical alone. It's, it's a conversation between us and God. Jesus goes on to say, don't even pray around people. Go off and pray alone. And so that's where most of our prayer life should be is just between us and God. It's a conversation between us and God. It's very vertical. But now, that being said, a few weeks ago, I mentioned that there is a lot of power in praying together, and I don't want to lose that. So we should pray alone, but we should also pray with other people. There's a scripture that says in Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So there is power in gathering together and agreeing on prayers. Right? That's, there's power in doing that. Uh, it moves the hand of God when we agree upon things on earth. And Jesus himself is there when we gather in his name. So we don't want to lose sight of that. But remember that 
that prayer is about God. It's about having a conversation, having a relationship with Him. It's not about all the people that might be hearing our prayers around us. So that's the first point. It's pretty quick. Second one goes along with it is uh, the Lord's Prayer shows us that prayers should get to the point. They should be vertical, directed vertical, and they should get to the point. Verses 7 and 8 says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Guys, our, our prayers don't have to be complicated. We don't have to use a lot of church words. We don't have to, like, pray lots. I mean, I know that when, like, when you're done asking or praying, you can be done. I mean, we can just keep it short and sweet. Let me give you an example. Um, so my daughter, Anna, uh, learned to play bass guitar when she was about 12 or 13 years old. And pretty quickly on, they put her on the stage at the previous church I was at, and she was playing bass guitar with the whole worship team. I think we have a photo of her. She's there in the back um, uh, helping with the worship team. She's only been playing for a few months at this point. Side note, the guy playing guitar beside her is her husband today. If I would have known that then, I would have kept them separated. <laughs> separated. Besides the stage. No, I, I, I like Nate. He's a good guy. Anyway, so, um, but anyway, they had her on stage playing really early on. And uh, I was kind of nervous as her father, you know, how's she going to do? And the lead pastor came up to me one day and he said, you know, your daughter Anna is my favorite bass player. I said, well, why do you say that? She can only play like the basic notes. She doesn't know how to do much of anything else. And he said, exactly, because that's what we need bass players to do is just keep it simple. Just play, you know, the basic bass line and just keep it simple and, and let everyone else kind of build around it. Well, I think it's the same thing when it comes to prayer. You can take that down. Um, we need to just keep it simple, right? I mean, keep it short and sweet. Get to the point. God knows what we're asking. He knows what we need before we ever pray it. So we don't have to have these long, complicated prayers. In fact, some of my, my favorite times of prayer is when we're in a small group setting, whether it's at at students or young adults or in a home group or, or whatever it might be. And, and, and there's some people there that have never prayed out loud before. You know, they're just like, they're nervous to do it, but they're, they're going to try it for the first time. And so they pray something like this. They pray like, okay, God, um, Joe over here uh, has got a headache. Can you, uh, can you fix that? You know, and, and, and it's just straightforward. It's simple. And I think that that just touches the heart of God. Because that's what prayer is about. It's not about praying all these complex prayers or praying them just perfect and all. It's about having a conversation with God. And we can just keep it simple, keep it short, keep it sweet. So we should get to the point. Um, and that, that's what Jesus is saying. Don't babble on. God already knows what you're going to say. By the way, there's a lot of other people talking to God, too, so cut it off. Keep it short. <laughs> no, I think God can handle all of our words. I'm not worried about that. He's good. He's good. All right, so get to the point. The third thing, and I'm going to spend a little bit more time on this. The Lord's Prayer shows us that our prayers should relate to God as our Father. Relate to God as our Father. This was a big deal. 
Now, most of us have grown up hearing the Lord's Prayer, you know, reading the New Testament. And so understanding or knowing that God is our Father isn't something revolutionary to us. But back then, that was a big deal. That was a big deal. They, they had a, a, an incredible reverence for God the Creator. And so they would call him Jehovah. They would call him uh, the King of Kings. But they would not ever even think about calling him Father. But Jesus did. He talked a lot about my Father in heaven, my Father in heaven. And then when his disciples said, hey, teach us to pray, he told them, well, you can call him Dad as well. Because you're adopted in. I'm, I'm the firstborn of the family, but you guys are adopted in. And so we are all joint heirs of this family. And so if he's my dad, he's your dad too. And so we should address him as father. And that was a big deal. That was a, a huge shift about how people should relate to God. Not just in this reverence on a throne you know, judging us somewhere, you know, out in heaven. But really, this, this relationship that we should have, the way we should view God, is the same way we would an uh, earthly father. Now, for some of us, we may not have had a very good example of what an earthly father is or should be. And so when we hear that, like, okay, I'm supposed to look and treat God and expect him like I would my earthly father, that doesn't work out so well because we're thinking of you know, negative things instead of positive. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to talk about like four different characteristics of what I would consider a good father. And this is, when we look to God, I think we should look to him with this in mind instead of maybe the, the pattern of our earthly fathers. And I'll give you a couple of examples from my dad. And my dad wasn't perfect by any means, but he did a lot of things well. So I'll give a couple examples from that. So four attributes of a good father. The first one is that is, is protection. We can look to uh, our heavenly father for protection. When I was um, growing up, I played uh, church league softball. And I remember this one time, I was like 13, 14 years old. And it was after a, a game, and we were in the parking lot, and I was walking up to my dad. And he was having an argument with this individual, this guy who was really just uh, uh, attacking our family, trying to destroy our family. Um, and, and I was watching them have this little uh, argument going on. And I walked into it, and then this, this guy turned on me and started, like, attacking me. He wasn't physically attacking me, but he was verbally assaulting me. Well... I'll never forget this. My dad picked up the baseball bat that he had, and he took off after him, ready to knock his block off. And that guy took off running like you've never seen. Um, but there was an, my dad didn't catch him. I, I kind of wish he did, but he didn't quite catch him. Um, but I remember in that moment that he could be attacking my dad, and my dad just kind of, you know, took it. But as soon as he turned and started attacking one of his kids, man, this protective instinct kicked in. And he just picked up the bat and went after him. Our Heavenly Father is all about protecting us. We can look to Him for shelter. We can look to Him for protection. We can count on Him to protect us. So that's one of the things, that's one of His characteristics is He's protective. Another one is uh, provision. We can look to our 
Heavenly Father for provision. My dad obviously, you know, took care of us growing up, worked and provided, put a roof over our head, right? You know, food on the table. Um, but I was, I was thinking about this this week. Um, it didn't stop. He didn't stop providing for me after I got married. Um, we, we were actually, I was looking through our house and he made our workbench in our garage. He built our shelves in our garage. He built our shelves down in our storage room. Um, he gave us our shed that we <laughs> have out back and, and then came over and built a lean-to onto it, helped us screen in our porch. See, a good father can't help but provide for their kids. It's what they do. And so we can look to God and expect provision. We can expect it. We don't have to question it. He will provide for us. And that's how he wants us to look at him. Another example, uh, characteristic is training. Fathers love to teach and train. They just love to do it. And, and we can look to God for training. When I was in seventh or eighth grade, my my father took a, a, a course on evangelism called Evangelism Explosion, and, and he had learned how to lead people to Christ. And, and at that young age, my dad trained me. I don't even remember it, but I know that he did. He trained me on how to lead people to Jesus, and I was able to lead several people to Jesus in seventh and eighth grade. But it was because I had an earthly father who was showing me. He was What he learned, he was showing me. And as we can look to God for training, we can look to God for instruction, for direction. He wants to do that for us. Whatever we want. It says, he who lacks wisdom should ask for it. And our Heavenly Father will give it to us. We can ask for things. And God will, he will give us wisdom and training. And then lastly, another characteristic of, of fathers is encouragement. Encouragement. My dad watches our messages quite often, and, and when he does, he'll, he'll just tell me, hey, I liked it when you said this or did that. He's still one of my, you know, best encouragers at 53 years old, you know. My dad's still doing that for me. Um, our Heavenly Father is not wanting, he's not sitting up in heaven waiting for us to mess up so he can call us out on it. No, in fact, it says that the Holy Spirit is who, the one who convicts us of our sin, right? Not condemns us, but convicts us and points us to righteousness. Our Heavenly Father wants to encourage us. And I've seen many, many times where God will intervene and he will actually bring encouragement into our hearts and minds when we need it the most. And so when we need encouragement, we can expect to receive that from our Father in heaven. And so we're going to do just a little exercise here because I believe that God wants to bring a little encouragement to us today. All right? So if you're willing, if you would, if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And first, I just want to see who uh, needs encouragement. If you need encouragement today, if you just need some of that from God, just raise your hand real quick. I just want to see who that is in the auditorium. Okay. All right, several of us today, several of us. All right, you can put your hands down. So I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask God 
to bring encouragement. Because I've seen him do this. He'll whisper. He'll bring images. He'll just speak to us in the midst of, of a prayer. And we can expect that for him. So let me pray, and then we'll just wait on God. So Lord, you saw the hands, and you know the hearts, God. Several of us today need your encouragement. So God, I, I ask that you would whisper into our hearts and minds right now. And just tell us the way you see us. The things you're proud of with us about. Just give us your words of encouragement, God. You keep your, head, your eyes closed for a moment. And what I want to do is I want to give an opportunity for you to say out loud what God said to you, the encouraging words that he said to you. Because some of us may not have heard anything, and we might need to hear what God said to you as an encouragement to us. So go ahead and just say out loud. Anybody have God say to you anything? Yeah, go ahead. My son, you are always with me, and all I have is yours. Yeah. Such good. Who else heard God say something to you? I heard just a verse that says, I will never leave you or forsake you. God is with us. Anyone else? You're fearfully and wonderfully made. So good. What else did, did God whisper to you? I know it's a little scary to say it because you're like, I don't know if that was really God. <laughs> it probably was. <laughs> Anyone else? My grace is sufficient for you. I'm glad you're here today. You're mine. I've heard you and provided for you. I see your pain. I see your struggles. I will fill you up. I love you as you are. Keep your eyes on me. I could do this all day. 
See, that's what our Heavenly Father, you guys can look up here, that's what our Heavenly Father wants to say to us. He wants to bring encouragement. Sometimes that's through Scripture. Sometimes that's just a little, you know, tap on the shoulder and a little, good job, keep it up, you know, kind of a thing. But we can look to God our Father for encouragement as well. That's how he wants us to see him. He wants us to see him as a good father. And that'll change your prayer life if you look to him that way. And you can expect him to respond as a good father would as well. So we should relate to God as our father. And then the last point for today is we should acknowledge God's sovereignty. Acknowledge God's sovereignty. I had to look it up to know how to spell that. Sovereignty. Here's the definition of it. Supreme power or authority. We should acknowledge God's supreme power or authority. Verse 9 says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. So he starts off by saying, you should address him as Father, but then we need to remember that he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the great I am, the creator of all things. He's kind of a big deal. And so when we do that, when we acknowledge that He's our Father, but then we acknowledge how great He is. That kind of moves us into worship and prayer, right? It moves us into worship and thanksgiving and, and adoration right up front. And that's what Jesus is saying. Right up front, you can address Him as Dad, but remember He's King of kings and Lord of lords. And that'll change your prayer because if you think about, okay, I'm relating to you as my Father, but you have the keys to the kingdom. I mean, you have incredible power, it changes how we pray because we know what he can do and then we can actually expect that he'll do it because he's our dad. One of the ways that we can do this up front is just move right into praise and thanksgiving. At the very beginning of your prayer, just don't start with, God, I'm having a bad day. I mean, <laughs> let's start with remembering what he's done for us in the past, Thanksgiving, and then remembering who he is today with praise and adoration. Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So I... I interpret this, enter his gates, as just this idea of, of entering into the gates of heaven as we're praying and into the very courts of God with praise. And we, we're walking into the throne room of God when we address him and, and in prayer and pray to him. Now, this is the, the holy of holies, and, and we can do that because we have the blood of Jesus that is the payment for our sin. See, we can, we can actually address God the Father face-to-face -face in prayer because we are righteous through Jesus Christ. We should, we should praise Him. We should thank Him. 
And I think that's the outline, beginning of, the beginning of the outline for, uh, for prayer is know who he is, know what he's done, and remember how great he is. Hallowed, hallowed be your name. Holy are you, God. And you can sit there for a while in your prayers. I've, I've changed my, my prayer time um, the last several years now, but uh, I will start with worship. So at 6.30 in the morning, I get out my guitar and, and sing with my morning voice, which is really bad, and, uh, and just sing my guts out to God. It's part of entering his courts, and that's just my, the beginning of my, my time with God. Now, I don't do it right beside the bedroom. I let Rose sleep. I go way down in the basement into the uh, furnace room and try to keep it down a little bit over there. But it's just one of the ways. We don't have to sing to do that. We can just declare his praises, and I think we should do that right up front. So next week, we're going to dive into the next line, which is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is the whole idea of the kingdom of God is here. And I'm super excited about talking about that next week. So I hope you guys come back next week for that as we continue this series. Um, those are our four points. The Lord's Prayer shows us that our prayers should be directed vertical, get to the point, relate to God as our Father, and acknowledge God's sovereignty. I'm going to invite Emma to come up here. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.